On today's episode of Locked On Suns, Michael Schwartz of ESPN is here. We're playing a game of panicked versus unbothered. What worries us? What doesn't? As we look forward to Suns training camp, let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Wednesday. A little bit of a bonus episode, or we'll have four this week. So hit follow or subscribe. Search Locked On Suns wherever you get your podcast. Get it in your feed Monday, Wednesday, Friday through August, and back to daily starting in September. You can also find us on YouTube, nearly 6,000 subscribers. So drop a comment below with something you're uh, maybe, let's go unbothered about that might other people may be worried about. I don't want to have too much negativity down there. So drop a comment with that. Hit subscribe while you're there on YouTube as well. Become an everyday or get locked onto the Phoenix Suns here with this show. Very excited to be joined by Michael Schwartz today. You know him from his appearances on the Low Post Podcast. He is a behind-the-scenes guru at ESPN, doing a lot of stuff on their NBA side, and a big Suns fan. So it's a long time coming, uh, Michael. Um, I will just take us right into the game we're playing, which is Panic versus Unbothered. And okay, I'm ready. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a two birds one stone situation to kick us off because. I've gotten some complaints in the comments that I'm not talking enough about DeAndre Ayton in the Bahamas. So, coming off of another win for them, which secures them a spot in yet another qualifying tournament, which makes me really just feel bad yeah. for those guys more than anything, that like yeah. they do all this, and it's like, congrats, you're still not in. But uh, very, very impressive to beat Argentina twice the way that they did and, and come back in a couple of these games and, and everything else. So... If anything that you saw there helps answer the question, great. But just generally speaking, I think DeAndre Ayton is at the center of a lot of people's nervousness here, and, and rightly so. How how are you feeling about DeAndre Ayton heading into this season? Uh, is it more panicked or more unbothered? Yeah, with the tournament, first, it's it's kind of funny. They played an Olympic qualifying tournament to make another Olympic qualifying tournament, and now they're going to have to win another six-team tournament which honestly will probably have some pretty tough teams in it um, depending on who doesn't qualify out of the upcoming FIBA World Cup but feel great for the Bahamas I think the biggest thing to me was you saw that leadership from him I mean we we know what the guy can do we know he can shoot 60 percent from the floor we know he's a walking double double we know he's going to give you 16 and 10 a night but he kind of seemed to get his swagger back and I think that was the biggest thing that was missing to me during the playoffs. Um, I don't want to say lack of confidence, but certainly lack of force that he was playing with, certainly in the Denver series. And um, it just feels like he got a little bit of that back. I mean, the the talents there, the um, certainly the the size and athleticism are there with, with Aiton. But if he brings that kind of locked in demeanor that he had within the Bahamas, that can really be uh, a huge stepping stone for the season. I think we see it all the time. Guys who go and 
play for Team USA during the summer, especially young players, and then they go back and have a huge leap for their NBA teams. I don't know if it'll be exactly like that, but I think maybe the confidence he got playing there could could really be a positive sign going into the 23-24 season. This one feels like it's uh, more of a sliding scale. I'm not sure if either one of us are going to be confident or comfortable enough to pick fully panicked or fully unbothered, but um, I've talked a lot about the the mentality side, and I I agree with you completely. I think that's the part that is reasonable to expect to come back. And, uh, you know, if he just sort of picks up where he was maybe around 2021 into 2022, that's good enough as a starting point at the beginning of this year. And you would hope that Frank Vogel and better teammates around him and those types of things can, can bring him back to that place and maybe surpass it on the defensive end in terms of the physicality and uh, athletic bullying that he has the ability to do transition scoring, some of those things, even if the scoring opportunities for him directly, you know, 18 points per game, I think last year probably is not going to, to continue uh, basketball wise. I just think we've seen flashes in this tournament or we saw flashes in this tournament of all the stuff that we've seen him do in the past. I don't think that we saw Aiton pull out tricks out of a hat that maybe yeah. were new, but there is that, that one dribble drive was pretty nice. Yeah. That was, I mean, we've seen him do it, but just not very much. That was the one thing where I'm like, Oh, okay. If he's bringing this yeah. to his bag of tricks, like, I'll be impressed with that. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's not new, but that's actually a testament to him, right? Because it means we've seen these little bursts. It's just always been about For consistency sure. and aggressiveness and confidence yeah. and all that stuff. So TBD if it translates, but good signs nevertheless. Um, let's let's. Do you have one off the top of your head, uh, a topic that is getting discussed that might be good for us to pick a side on? Okay, yeah. How about their lack of a true quote-unquote point guard? Are you panicked or unbothered by that? What's awesome is that's exactly where I was about to go. I have it on my list oh, as great. Great quote-unquote one ball. That was like my uh, shorthand for it, or lack of an elite passer is sort of what I, you know, all, all of that general, nobody to sort of play second fiddle and and, and, and have experience setting people up. I think I'm not worried about it because I trust Devin Booker. Yeah, I think really the kind of secondary concern to me is just does that is that a sustainable thing for him to do in an entire regular season? Um, and not to get too far down my like mental rabbit hole of how I kind of am thinking about it, but when I kind of balance it out that way, I think well, if he is as great as we all would be led to believe that he is and how great he's looked as recently as last postseason, then he can do that because the greatest players do that. James Harden and, you know, whatever players you want to point to at a certain point in their career, they, they get there. And it might just be the case that he's at that point. And I would love to see it. I think he's fully capable. It is a lot to ask, but I'm kind of inclined to just believe that it's possible until I see otherwise. Yeah, I'm I'm unbothered by this one. I mean, this is a guy, he averaged about seven assists per game in the eight games that Kevin Durant played when he was largely a point guard. I think Chris Paul may have missed some of those. And then he averaged seven assists a game again in the playoffs. So, And it's something that he's done in the past, earlier in his career, when he was playing a lot of point books. So I fully believe Devin Booker's a, a, the point guard of this team and one of the better point guards in the league, uh, quite honestly. Uh, maybe not as a pure passer, obviously, 
but when you when you put it all together and he's not going to be alone Bradley Beal is going to have a lot of reps as the primary ball handler he can bring the ball up the court Kevin Durant is going to initiate quite a bit of offense and also can bring the ball up the court and then you've got um, other players off the bench who certainly can I mean Jordan Goodwin is uh certainly you know he, he's certainly going to be defending the point guards he he can do a decent job off the bench of that so I think on the surface you might look at it and be like who's the point guard but I think we've gone to a such a positionless basketball world now that it doesn't really matter what the Suns have is three of the best primary initiators in the league and I think because of that it's not going to matter they don't have a quote-unquote point guard I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but I've also made the case that I would like to see whether, you know, we're calling it kind of Kevin Young's offense or or what we want to describe it as there. But I would like to see them potentially find some ways that Aiton can act as even more of a facilitator. I don't really know the lineups or context where that would be possible. So maybe it's just a little bit uh, pie in the sky, but that feels like a skill that's been left on the table for him. It's not to say that he's going to be, you know, DeMontis Sabonis out there or, you know, anything even close to that. But at the same time, we see, we've seen him do it. And so can you enter the ball under the elbow or the high post and run some stuff where he's just sort of focused on finding a, a guy coming off of a screen or, you know, just basic stuff. But hey, we don't have a passer that's an easy way to get the big man involved in a, in a different sort of way. I, it might be far-fetched. What do you think? Yeah, it, I think it's it's interesting even from the standpoint of wanting to keep him engaged, and I think that's one of the biggest things you see. Like He doesn't want to be just a screener, even though he's, he's a pretty good screener, and on this team, he's going to be doing that a lot. I think finding more ways to get him, him involved offensively in the flow, even if it's not him scoring, um, it could be really big for what it would mean for his engagement defensively. Yeah, uh, I don't think I said it. I'm unbothered by the... Yes, I'm un- I'm clearly unbothered as well. Uh, by that idea. I, I mean, obviously, if, if there's... Well, this can transition us. If there's an injury to some of these star players, mm-hmm. I think that would... Some of those stretches of the season, if they were to happen, would be a point that that, that could start to hurt them. But there's a reason you stock up on stars, because when one gets hurt, you still have the other one and you can just shift more responsibility to them. So we've had a lot of hypothetical and sort of vague generalities. I think discussion about this team's health and depth. So what I want to do, and we can make it a panic versus unbothered, but I want to have like a real discussion about who plays if X player gets hurt. What, how does the team change? And we'll try to do that in a fairly concise way, but we'll do that after a break. First today's show guys brought to you by Ibotta and Uh, Ibotta saves you money. That's really the bottom line. They take the shopping trips that you already are making and they give you cash back for it. Um, And we know it's, it's, it's inflation time and all that craziness is affecting you. Um, If you're taking a summer vacation that you've been planning, but you're dreading buying all those necessities before you take off, it's time to stop spending that hard earned money without getting anything in return. And again, that's where you enter Ibotta. They give you cash back on grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're buying. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt afterward and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 back per year, which could cost, you know, cover the cost of an entire shopping trip at the grocery store. 
Or you could use your cash back to buy a flight you've been eyeing, a game you've been dying to go to, or a fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points and stuff that doesn't really feel tangible at all. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account directly, PayPal, or even buy gift cards to places like Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more to get some special goods you might have been wanting. Right now, Ibotta is offering listeners of this show $5 straight to their accounts just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use the code LOCKED when you do. That's I-B-O-T-T-A, Ibotta, in the Google Player App Store, and use code LOCKED when you register. Okay, coming back here with Michael Schwartz. Let's, uh, Michael, talk about this depth problem, quote-unquote, health issues, health concerns, which, again, to reiterate, to me, I've felt kind of vague. It's like the thing you say when a team is top-heavy or has Mm -hmm. some older stars, and I've kind of poked holes in the Bradley Beal injury stuff, not to say that it's not somewhat of a concern, but I think between... COVID and them not being a competitive team and some of these ways where it's like, you know, you're shaving five to 10 games off of the the numbers that get thrown out of how much he's missed. And it's not so concerning when you, when you think about it that way. So I'll just start by saying I'm relatively unbothered about everybody's health on this team besides Kevin Durant. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think you kind of have to build in an expectation considering this dude has had the same exact MCL injury in back-to-back seasons like that in and of itself as a track record combined with everything throughout his career. I think you have to expect whether it's intentionally resting him or an actual injury that he will miss time. So my question to you is who can step up? How does the team change if we're assuming that there's, let's say even just 10 of those games, 10 to 20 of those games uh, in this upcoming season? I mean, honestly, I think it's the two other stars. And I think during the regular season, you're completely fine. A team with uh, Devin Booker and Bradley Beal uh, with the core of role players they have are going to win a lot of games. To me, I'm just nervous about the playoff injury because if you get the really any of those three guys, I I think all three of them need to be healthy. I I might even add in uh, DeAndre and say all four of them. Um, If any of them are missing significant stretches of games, I think it's going to be tough. Um, I mean, outside of a, f- a first-round series, you should probably be able to get by um, no matter what, like when Booker was hurt against the Pelicans a few years ago. But um, if you're playing a, a Denver or a team of, of that ilk, um, I think you need all of them. I mean, just as far as like the regular season, I think a Kogi is going to be really important, um, especially if, if one of those stars just to make you kind of maybe a grittier defensive team and maybe you're not uh, outscoring teams like I I mean this team you got to think is going to be one of the top two or three offenses if not number one but um, I think a Kogi could really help a lot make make the game uh, kind of grittier and and do all the little things that he does who do you who are you looking to step up I just think there's a lot riding on Kata Bates Diop personally yeah Um, whether it is this Durant kind of idea or even just the fact that he may start for this team uh you know yeah nightly that that obviously matters too but I mean it's it's sort of everything but I'm especially intrigued by really just the base three and D stuff can he at least just do that can he make wide open honestly a lot of the time probably corner threes and can he actually be the defensive 
weapon that we imagine a guy like him being able to be for Frank Vogel's kind of stylings, right? Like Kyle Kuzma comes to mind, although he's more of a kind of point of attack guy than maybe a helper. But we've seen players like that work. Can Kata Bates-Diop become the next one? And, and is the shooting pump bump that he got last year real? If, if that works out, then the Durant stuff, I think you can weather it pretty easily. But he is sort of the yeah. only guy that could theoretically be sort of an interior help defender as well as kind of a floor spacer, second side. Like, can he attack a, 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 a closeout maybe? Like, other than him... I guess Yuta Watanabe, but not quite. Like that that would worry me. Yeah. If if there's a ripple effect where Keda doesn't quite work out like we're all expecting, and Durant has a, an untimely injury or an injury at all, you're getting you're getting to a spot where you're having some less than ideal lineups, but I still probably would agree that I would be unbothered about that in the regular season. Because they're just gonna yeah, have so much talent and, and scoring and shooting that it might not matter. But I mean, yeah, if, if Durant's hurt in the playoffs, they're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Like it's, it's, um, I mean, even like you look at Denver last year, they were completely healthy with their yep. core guys throughout the playoff run. And then you contrast that, to other years when Denver was, had their second and third best players hurt, yep. um, obviously with, with Murray and Porter jr. So it's one of those things like you need injury luck to win in the playoffs. Like ev- everyone likes to talk about asterisks. I hate asterisks because <laughs> every team yeah. who wins a title has some sort of luck, whether it's their key players being relatively healthy or uh, being only being out for a, a short period of time, or they're running into other teams who, who have a lot of injuries. So, I mean, if, if the Suns are going to win it all, then I certainly think they're one of the favorites. They're going to need that good injury luck in the playoffs. It's just as simple as that when you have a, a top heavy team like this. Yeah. You're, you could go through every postseason and basically say that. Um, literally, ev- literally everyone. It's it's crazy. I've d- I've gone back like 15 years with this before. It's, uh, everyone, you could put some sort of asterisk on it. Uh, I have another quick one that's kind of along these lines, and then I'll, I'll pass it back to you. Um, I get this question a lot when I do mailbags and whatnot of like what kind of matchup, what specific team or what type of team categorically like worries you the most as a playoff opponent for the Suns, and this year i might i might actually change it a little bit to say teams with great guard scorers because of what i sort of think although you did mention a kogi who is an answer to that problem but the Suns don't have like a two-way player who is a consistent point of attack defender but good enough to kind of survive on offense, at least right now. Maybe Goodwin or or Kogi become that if they can figure it out offensively. But like I think of the Thunder, the Grizzlies, even Dallas with Kyrie Irving, teams like that with great guard scorers make me nervous. Um, And I would say, I'll I'll say I'm panicked about that one. I I think we could see teams kind of put up some big numbers with Mikhail gone and everything um, and take advantage of the Suns defense that way. I'd say I'm slightly panicked about that. I, I agree with you. That's, um, you know, you're what you think the closing lineup might be. I, I'm super high on Eric Gordon and his offensive fit. But yeah, if, if you're closing with Gordon, Booker, and Beal, you don't have that necessarily elite point of attack defend, defender. And I do think that's how they should be closing. So I think that the only flip side to that is a lot of times 
those stars like your Lucas and Kyrie's of the world, they're not necessarily the greatest point of attack defenders themselves. Sure. So I think it might be the a, a case um, if the Suns run into a team like that where it's just a complete and total shootout. But yeah, definitely slightly panicked. Um, they, they like you said, they don't have bridges anymore, um, and kind of like what we saw last postseason, you were just kind of you had so many limited players, you didn't have a lot of guys who were great at everything. So it's like, okay, we, you need the scoring. Let's, let's just juice the scoring and put in Warren and, and Terrence Ross and yeah. just hope that they can sort of survive on defense. It might be something similar where you're trying to make tough choices. And yeah, that, that could certainly be problematic at times. All right. Michael has another to toss out. I have a couple more that are a, a little more, Big picture, general, may or may not actually come to pass. So we'll we'll close out with at least three more panicked versus unbothered after one more break. All right, sir, I will pass it back to you. We're back here. We're closing out the show. Um, give me your next topic, and we'll decide where we stand on it. Okay, are you panicked or unbothered by their lack of financial and trade asset flexibility between having, like, no draft picks. Mm -hmm. I guess they materialized a few, but um, still having no first rounders and um, limited second rounders to trade. And obviously with the new CBA rules, uh, the buyout market's going to be a little different. They're not going to be able to acquire a big money buyout guy, maybe a small money one. Um, are you bothered or unbothered by their ability to add to this roster in season? I think you would have to say panicked in a general sense. Like it's not a great position to be in I don't know there wasn't another pathway to building a team this good where that wasn't going to be a problem so you know if you're getting a little semantic about it I would probably just say that I'm unbothered because the end result is going to be better but Yeah. yeah I think it it's not great to go into a season knowing that if some element of the team doesn't work there's really no panic button um the, I had a similar one, so I'll just toss it out here, too. The idea of this, all of these moves and everything we've already seen since Matt Ishbia taking over, what if that's not enough? You yeah. know, what if, what if you know, the new owner syndrome, as Bill Simmons calls it, or whatever you want to call this dynamic, actually gets ratcheted up even more, and we see him push for another trade, which inevitably would pretty much have to be DeAndre Ayton, or... We hear James Jones rumors about, you know, hot seat stuff and like that, whether it's just the distraction element of it or the actual unnecessary change that could come from making a move like that. We're not really there yet. It's not like a topic that's out there, but it could be. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm just panicked a little bit by... Well, first off, I think they had a fantastic offseason, and I think that they're kind of the first team to trade pick swaps that they'd already traded to materialize more assets when they literally had no draft picks. Now they have a handful of future second-round picks. So I think that they've been really smart about how they've built things. I think the Beal trade was a really a no-brainer. Um, when you think about what this roster could have looked like and when we were discussing all the different pathways at the beginning of the offseason to have Bradley Beal somehow materialized, it's certainly better than any of them. But I am panicked by um, just looking ahead. 
I mean, they're they're in a spot where, aside from the first round picks, where you have to have, since you have to have one every other year, they're they're in a bad spot because they're they're probably with the way that they've encumbered themselves with all these swaps. They're almost certainly going to be later picks. Um, I think that if there were a devastating injury or this didn't happen, I think just the future would be fairly bleak. Um, that being said, I think the president present is incredibly bright and I would a hundred, I I'm all in for the all in moves. I think they were really smart, but yeah, a little bit panicked by a, the lack of flexibility. And like you said, um, seems like every couple months they've made some enormous um, splash, whether it's, oh, my God, Kevin Durant. Oh, my God, Bradley Beal. Um, there's just not as many avenues to make those moves anymore. So yeah. I am a little bit panicked by what could be ahead if if this year doesn't go the way we think it will. Guess it's going to have to be uh, Ishbia and whoever else being satisfied with the big bonanza of sean marion's ring of ring of honor induction or like a a nice win streak that'll have to suffice the craziness will have to maybe mellow out a little bit um as we as we move into the actual basketball but yeah i'm 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 uh i don't want to say i'm panicked about it because we you know we've only seen this guy operate for six months and i think you would agree in generalities with the moves that have been made so you can't exactly yeah. say that it's a problem for this franchise to have a, an overactive owner it's it's all gone great so far but you know yeah. we've seen it turn directions and if if the if all those moves don't turn into winning then i think understandably there would be some you know uh some nervousness on his part but uh, i have one more I, I don't know if you do but my next one is the denver nuggets yeah do they make you panicked or unbothered as the likely team that the Suns will have to go through to get to back to the finals. I absolutely think the Suns can beat the Nuggets. Uh, uh, I had on my list uh, Jokic panicked or unbothered, so I'm glad we were largely <laughs> on the same page which, with a lot of these, just a little bit different. Uh, I mean, they're the defending champions. They're, I think they have the shortest odds to win the West, although the Suns are right there. So I think you have to be panicked to some degree. That doesn't mean I think the Nuggets will for sure beat the Suns. I think um, if they do face off in an inevitable West Finals or possibly West Semifinals, I think it'll be a great series. But there's just no answer for Jokic. The dude has figured out basketball. Um, you're always in a. You're always making a tough decision on on what to do. Even Aiton, I feel like in the the series two years ago, he did a reasonably good job on Jokic and this year there there's just no defending the guy one-on-one if you send help he's gonna find an open shooter and they have a lot of shooters uh the one thing I am encouraged by is Denver got worse let's be honest I mean Bruce Brown was an incredibly important part of that team he was often closing games and I certainly don't think they really adequately replaced him so um and obviously also losing Jeff Green not as big of uh a piece to replace, but still something. So I am bothered just because we saw them run through the league. I mean, this, this was a dominant run. They lost what four games. The Suns were the only team to take multiple games off of them. So uh, we're looking at a team with a two time MVP in his prime, uh, two more max players. And then a fourth player is just like a superstar role player and Aaron Gordon. And um, I think you've got to be bothered by, by that team, but 
that being said, I would take the sun slightly in a series. I love, I love the confidence. I would, I agree with the, the way you put it actually of Jokic. I think I'm panicked about Jokic. I think, Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You have to be panicked about that. Yeah. As a team, it's a, it's a, it's a work in progress. We'll just have to see how Christian Brown and Peyton Watson and, um, the guy from the Hunter Tyson who they drafted, who looked pretty good in summer league. Like if those guys all play great, they fit perfectly into the roster building that they've already had. And, and this team probably won't miss a beat if those guys aren't good and, or aren't ready yet, I'll say. And if Reggie Jackson, who they paid a bunch of money to is looks as near the end as he looked when they had him as recently as last year and then still paid him the money, then like, yeah, you're going to feel like they're a little more mortal. I, I think we're going to look back at the Aiton thing in 2021, the way that he played against Jokic as yeah. a way to beat him then, you know, and the yeah, teammates right, right. are a lot better. So the guys he's passing to in those situations are more likely to make the shots now than they were in that, you know, haphazardly constructed version of Denver with Murray out and Porter not not very good yet. It's not the way you can beat them now, beat him now. And I don't really think there is a way to beat him now. And so I think the way that the Suns went about building this roster of we're just going to have to match their scoring and we are going to match their size position by position, even if not directly as it relates to Jokic is smart. And I think if it works out, it, it will be a good version of how you try to match up with that team um, but to return to something you said when we were talking about the depth, as far as Aiton being counted in as somebody that would be a worrisome injury to have to deal with, yeah, I do think that's that serious. Yeah, that's serious. Right, but like I think that's one hole you could poke in the Suns roster right now is their backup center is six nine. You know, yeah. so that that would yep. worry me too in in that series. Even if it's not a, an Aiton injury, what are you doing in the minutes when he's sitting? Is Who's their backup center now? I don't really know that answer. Is it Zeke Naji, who's actually pretty big himself, but maybe not a, a you know an emergency type of guy you're game planning for? I don't really know what that looks like. But um, if Eubanks has to play starters minutes in that series in particular, yeah, I think yeah. whatever the version above panicked is, I think would, uh, would would go into effect there. Oh yeah, I do think Durant's gonna play some center. I think he should uh, not necessarily in that series. You don't want to matching up with Jokic, but I think uh, certainly in the regular season um, where I, I think should really just be all about trying out these rotations and seeing what works. I, I want to see what that looks like. Give me five shooters with Durant at the five um, and who's stopping that. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, nobody for better or worse. A lot of his most impressive statistical lineups in Brooklyn were like that. You know, that's really yeah. how he almost beat the Bucks in 2021 and could have been the Suns opponent in the finals. So, yeah, it, it works. And it it's yeah. it's the thing you have to figure out defensively. I think it's another place where Bates Diop will will probably be important just to give you some more overall size positionally in a lineup like that. But Definitely. we'll see um, any more from you. Any more topics to to go back and forth on? Yeah, I mean, I just think that um, 
the the one acquisition that I, I mean, obviously Bradley Beal. So that's kind of a different category, but of the minimum signings, I'm just super excited for Eric Gordon. So to bring it back to where we started, obviously he played on uh, the Bahamas team, hit six threes and was just going nuts down the stretch with some clutch threes to uh, give them the win at Argentina. Um, I think that's the one signing that's going to be like, oh, wow. Because uh, if you put the, the four the four key starters that we know are going to be there, with Eric Gordon, I just don't see how anyone can defend that. Yeah, because you're always you're always having to help on some of those guys, and as we saw last year, uh, teams are going to be more than happy to leave the Suns' others wide open. And if you're leaving Eric Gordon wide open, that is a bad thing for your defense. So I think that um, that's that's the one acquisition of a player who certainly shouldn't be making minimum money. I mean, he would have been making twenty million if the Clippers didn't. Uh, decline his option. I think that's the one that it's going to be like, oh wow, uh, come playoff time. Yeah, I think opponents will be panicked there. I guess to uh, yes, exactly to keep with the the theme. I I think he's just going to slide into the role really that he played largely under Mike D'Antoni in Houston. Like, yeah, switch, fight against whoever you end up guarding in a given possession. Use your strength and physicality to your advantage, even if you're you know in your mid thirties and maybe not going to keep up with everybody these days and bomb away yeah. from three whenever you're open. And and obviously we know above and beyond that, he can attack a closeout. He can make the right pass. He can get to the basket, I think, if, if you know, depending on who's guarding him. So, yeah, I think I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be awesome. Um, that, that, that lineup is probably going to be one of the best in the league, I would have to think. Yeah, uh, the whatever – we're going to need to come up with a nickname for that. Um, Whatever the sun, that'll be the sun's version of the death lineup. It may start games in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I think uh, on the panic topic too. I don't know if you saw this, but I don't even know the background. And this is one of those things that social media just plants in your brain, and then you feel like it matters, but it it doesn't. I just laughed. Andrea Bargnani yeah. was complaining about Eric Gordon reclassifying to play for the Bahamas. Oh yeah, just like a Mad Libs of headlines in the basketball world very odd wasn't it nocioni oh it might have been nocioni was Cause, it because nocioni was playing for that uh, i mean he's a uh, um he's argentinian that would make more sense yeah. so that's just that's just Bargnani. bad losing that's just poor losing yeah i mean i i get it um because my my next thought was hey clay thompson's dad's from the bahamas right mm-hmm. why doesn't clay thompson play for them too um and make bahamas like a he should like really in a, a metal contention type of team. Like you give me those three shooters with Deandre Ayton. And uh, I mean, you're not beating the U S but you're going to do pretty well. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's kind of sour grapes. Obviously Argentina isn't what they've been during this previous golden generation when they had Scola and Ginobili and Nocioni, and they still have Carlos Delfino. Who's uh, fairly old by now. He's, he was in the NBA, what, 20 years ago or something or when he started. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think um, I, I like to see it. I think it's, and I, I think just to bring it back to the Suns, like um, to have Gordon integrated with a key piece that he's going to be playing a lot of minutes with is huge to be not just, you know, obviously all these guys are, are playing in the summer, but to be playing high level games in a, hostile environment and to have them getting those reps together, I think is really huge. That is a great place to wrap up. Carlos Delfino is 40. Um, so yes, uh, 40, I think wow. it's a little yeah. bit of, 
a bygone era, and congrats again to the Bahamas team. We'll see what they do next summer, and then they'll just basically punch their ticket to fly right to the Olympics and compete there, but um, awesome to see. All right, that'll wrap us up. A big thanks to Michael for joining us. Obviously, catch everything that ESPN is doing on the NBA side, and he likely played some type of role in it. I will just say that. Um, And I will be back, I think, tomorrow with Brandon Duenas. We some some uh, food born illness, I think, stole our Monday episode from us. But Brandon is back, so we'll have our three strongest takes each of us about the Suns uh, heading into the season. We're we're doing some early preview coverage. We're we're dancing around some topics, and then we'll really hit the ground running in September. So hit follow, subscribe, get that show and more in your feed every. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday through the rest of the month, and I will catch you all then.